Hi, I'm Alec Beckley. And I'm Louis Shevzik. And welcome to the Unfiltered Show. Okay, so as I just uh, told you, I actually asked a friend if it was okay if I would use his example. Um, not going to name the name. And uh, there's going to be a bit of a language uh, barrier, so some points might get lost in translation because I had to actually translate it from German to English. That yeah, was fine. Um, and I sort of did it. Uh, so he didn't like chat chat me the quote or anything. It was just sort of uh, I did it from my recollection of what he told me. So I'm just going to go ahead and read it. I've suffered from what I can only describe as anxiety and depression for most of my young adult life. I have never been diagnosed, but from what people who have been described, I think I'm now suffering from chronic depression. I feel aimless. I barely get the things done that I need to be doing. I struggle to say no to things that are pleasurable and yes to things that are difficult, but I know are important. Because of this, when I reflect on my actions, I feel like I'm a loser. I'm out of shape. I'm financially dependent on my parents. Persons of the opposite sex are not attracted to me. And because of all of these things, I feel the desire to simply let the world pass in front of my eyes as doing something about these things would require effort that I feel I do not have. On the other side, knowing that I'm approaching my mid-20s, I feel huge amounts of anxiety towards the fact that time is running out. The facade will soon be lifted and everyone will know that I'm a low quality person. I have no discipline, I have no drive, and I have no desire to better myself. How do I get out of the self-perpetuating hole? So that's a pretty- going through something. Yeah, that's a pretty heavy uh, quote or uh, statement from this individual. So um, yeah. The, uh, let's start with you. That the question's primarily directed now to you. Uh, how do you get out of a situation like that? I think a lot of that situation, sort of, in my experience, would sort of revolve around just finding something to be able to wake up to, uh, finding that purpose, that sense of why am I going to get out of bed the next day or the next week or you know three years from now. And I think, you know, we've all been through that stage. I know I have for a good amount of years, especially when we were going through high school, you know, me living far away from you guys. It was, it was pretty tough going through that. And I think everyone nowadays, more so in the recent times because of COVID and everyone's struggling the way that they have, I think people just, especially this individual in particular, he, I think he just needs to take some time to just reflect on what he actually wants. Because mm. that's a big thing that people don't actually, I feel, understand about themselves. Because mm -hmm. like, we, especially in a developed sort of environment, we're conditioned to, you know, go to school, get good grades. And then after that, we're going to, go to a good college and after that we're gonna get a good job and some money eventually retire yeah i agree but we don't actually figure out what we 
want as individuals. And we set ourselves up to fall into that trap of going that cycle of getting up, going to work or doing whatever you do, getting some money and just living day to day. And some people it works because they do find whatever they want to do in terms of passion and they go for it. A lot more people do that than we think, but there is a exponential amount of people who don't do that. Yeah. And I think, I think that the other way around, there's more people who don't do that than there are who do. Exactly. Yeah. Because of just having that linear focus and because of the environment that we are all surrounded by. Obviously, people have it much harder than we do in terms of lifestyle. Mm. But especially for this individual, I think just reflecting on what that person wants, whether it be just a peaceful life or going after what he actually wants to do career-wise. Yeah. And finding that sort of outlet to live a more meaningful life and once he can find he or she can find that i think that would be sort of his gateway to be able to start to better himself and become the best version of themselves yeah i agree what do you think i think and this is totally irrespective uh towards the fact that i that i know this individual but i think what this person describes is a is a problem that is more common than we think or we would like to acknowledge in today's world and i think that this problem honestly stems from the fact and in the in his statement he sort of does touch upon this is that he is basing his happiness on other people he's saying i'm unfit right that's something that has to do with me but essentially he can live with that but other people see that he's unfit he is focused on the fact that the opposite sex doesn't find him attractive girls don't find him attractive so he's basing his his worth on the fact that girls don't see him don't want to see him as an attractive individual he is again placing his worth on the fact that he's dependent on his parents financially so i think systematically what the issue there is that it's not a question of where is my happiness and where does my worth come as things pertain to things that I can influence, this, this scenario is one where the individual says, what is my worth and what is my happiness based on what other people think? So I think that's the first thing people need to break away from is this idea that your worth and your happiness will come from other people because it doesn't. Um, and so, of course, you have, to rel- you have to sort of put this into relation to some things. Obviously, sometimes to a certain degree, what other people think you bring to the table is going to matter, right? If we're looking at this from like a financial perspective, job-wise and stuff. But the truth is, that's a very limited scenario. I think what most people nowadays, irrespective towards the fact if you're a man or a woman, whatever you, you identify as, I think the most important thing many people need to realize is that at the end of the day, what matters is that you are happy with what you're doing. And sorry, I think it's also just being happy with not only who you are, but with just how you can go about your own day, 
because a lot of people like particularly mm. with anxiety anxiety is basically having you know this sense of pressure of yeah whatever is coming in uncertainty yeah and he does sort of touch upon that in his statement he says i because of my situation i don't want to change it because i feel like i don't have the energy but at the same time i feel pressure to have to change it because my time is running out um so he feels like he needs to do something now otherwise yeah things are not going to get any better and basically his life or he or she has that person's life is going to be pretty much void of all meaning yeah which that's a statement that when he told me that i comp- i disagreed with that on an absolute fundamental level because i i don't think that it's a healthy expectation to have when a young man or young woman says at the age of 25 i need to know what i'm doing i need to have some sort of qualification and my life has to be in order i think that is an unreasonable and an unhealthy expectation if it happens to turn out that way good on you but i think most people are unhappy with the way that things turn out with this mentality people go in and they expect to find themselves to sort themselves by the age of 25 dealing with anxiety all the way up to there because they don't even know if that's the right thing for themselves yeah that's just how they grew up that's what yeah their environment around them told them yeah. was right that's what external things around them told them what that would make them happy that I know that's what happened with me and mm. um, lucky enough I was able to sort of I don't want to say figure it out but have a different mindset throughout high school yeah like well whilst I think we talked about this before but you know we during high school while everyone else was thinking about colleges I was thinking about all right well how can I spend this next year or two to just better myself and think about what I actually want in terms of my lifestyle, what I'd like to be doing in like, say five years, 10 years from now. And people who, it's not pe- it's not anyone's fault if they get into that mindset. I, and actually, I mo- pe- most of the time, like they're, they're a victim, they are victims of a system that doesn't have their interests at heart. Yeah. And then because of all that, and I think it's also a mixture of the fact that they still don't know who they are. Mm. And then along, along the lines, they sort of have a realization of, holy fuck, I don't know who I am. And I know I don't want this sort of lifestyle. What am I going to do? Yeah. Do you think, do you think that it is sometimes a healthier approach to say like, I don't know who I am. I don't know what I want just yet. And that's okay. And instead of dwelling on that, going out and maybe making a couple of mistakes, right? Going down the wrong path here and there and finding out that, okay, maybe I don't know who I am, but I know that that's not who I am. I know that this is not the path for me. Do you think that's a healthier approach than this, what people describe as the straight in approach? Like, after high school, I need to go to university. After university, I need to get a, a, a well-paying full-time job. Yeah, I think, I think that's actually what I try to sort of help everyone who sort of comes to me in terms of this particular situation because, you know, I still have, I still have people I talk to who are um, entering college or going through college and people who are graduating from high school. 
and it's okay to not be okay mm. and that's something that i it took me a long while to not only figure out but go through the process of mm. actually being okay with being lost and not having everything figured out mm. and having that approach is i think very help, healthy because not only are you acknowledging that there is actually a problem here rather than just hiding the fact that okay well people told me that this is the way to go i need to stick to it because that's not for everyone yeah so not only are you identifying that you know there is something wrong but now you can start the process of how can you fix it and yep. ultimately lead yourself into a better mental um, mindset and lifestyle yeah do you do you think that as far as anxiety is concerned um especially amongst young people that most of it doesn't actually come from any sort of external uh, factor but that most of it comes from this internalized feeling of not having enough time and thus having this sort of almost non-existent pressure that's constantly pushing you towards let's say negative thinking i think in a way yeah mm. because you know anxiety is all about just having that unspoken pressure on your own shoulders and the view of just being uncertain about many things in life mm -hmm. and once people are in that mindset and they figure out this isn't what they want and now all of a sudden they don't have a path in mind that opens the floodgates in a yeah. sense of just the amount of stress and anxiety that will sort of jump on to a person especially mm -hmm. if they've already had anxiety before realizing that because now they need to figure out for themselves i mean you can talk to people and sort of figure it out along with them but for the most part it will affect that person a lot more and now they have to figure out right what's right for me what do i have to do what's actually what do i find meaningful how do i make this life a good one mm, i think that's very powerful especially especially the description of what do i find meaningful um because that's <laughs> we, we live in a world where we're we are subject to both probably the biggest blessing and the biggest curse at the same time i think that we live in a world where almost anyone can find something to do that is meaningful to them this is a very personal thing and not only can you find whatever it is that that is for you but you can also actually kind of live off of it in today's world um the flip side to that obviously is that you have so much choice that it's difficult to narrow your selection it could it could also be a combination of that as well as especially the world that we're in now sort of barrier to entry in terms of you know people can find what they want to do mm. but then actually being able to do that and being able to provide for yourself through that can also present its own sort of challenges. And sometimes that it can prove to be sort of insurmountable and it depends on the person itself. But for the most part, I've always found it to be in terms of like looking at other people's situations and people I talk to, it's very, very difficult. Mm. 
especially when you consider how money and uh, technology and how, you know, external factors and institutions just affect your own life. Yeah. And yeah, it can, it can just be difficult. But at the end of the day, if you can figure out what you want to do in terms of whether it be your career or just what you want your life to be, I think that's going to be great because a lot of people actually aren't able to do that. Mm. And if you can do that, I think you're winning half the battle already. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree on that. So on a more general sense, you and I both have had our experiences with these feelings of anxiety, maybe these feelings that some people can describe as depression, but let's focus on anxiety because I think anxiety is important because it's in my, in my understanding, this com this combination of the want for more and some sort of time pressure. So what, or how, how did you deal with some of the worst bouts of your anxiety? Well, it was different from when I was first dealing with it to now, because now I have sort of a system that I can sort of fall back on. But before it was very out of control because not only did I know that it was actually anxiety because, you know, these things can get mixed up to the person who's not really read up on it. Mm -hmm. So before it was more about, you know, getting my mind off it and seeing what I can do to keep my mind busy, which I now, which I now sort of found to be very unhealthy because you're just running away from something that's mm. inevitably going to catch up with you. And so nowadays, uh, what I usually like to do is a big one for me is meditate. Mm -hmm. A lot of people will hear meditate and think, oh, that's some hippie shit, man. Like, that's not Yeah, working. I mean, <laughs> there is sort of a negative, or, well, I don't want to say negative, but there is a certain connotation to that word or that practice but um specifically on on meditation what is what is it what is it that you meditate on is there anything specific or is it just whatever is in your head at that moment i mean it could be about anything really it could be about the problem itself or it could just be thinking about your day but mm -hmm. most of the time for me it's focusing on one thing and one thing only which is my breathing mm -hmm. people nowadays really don't notice how important like just knowing how to breathe is mm -hmm. and I was very surprised when I started meditating in the first place because once I was focused on my breathing I realized wow I'm pretty shit at this mm -hmm. okay. like, I, I did not notice just how bad like I was breathing in general mm -hmm. and you know because once you once you learn how to control your breathing you control your breathing you give more oxygen to your body into your head now all of a sudden you have control of your breath and now you have control of your body, which means now you have more of a clarity in terms of your thought process. Because mm -hmm. once you're short of breath, now you're panicking because now your mind is focusing on trying to get more air into your lungs. But at the same time, because you're very anxious, you're also probably thinking, well, what's wrong with me? Mm -hmm. And had I been taught that before, I think I would have been a lot healthier than I am now. <laughs> and I think it's something that, you know, 
especially in schools or just in general parents even um, they should take the time to just teach their kids to have control of their own body and a big part of that in my opinion is breathing mm. so would you say that it's more of like this concept of being self-aware that actually leads to you seeing this as a coping mechanism much more than it is that like say a physiological thing i think it could be a combination mm -hmm. because once you're self-aware of like okay i am not calm right now i need to get more air into my lungs i need to mm -hmm. have my head um, screwed back on straight and you take the time to sit down and just focus and compose yourself then you're focusing on a physiological aspect of it. But once you take care of that, now you can focus on, all right, what was I freaking out about? Mm. And what can I do, whether it could be solved today or what can I do in the future that maybe this may not happen again or what triggered the anxiety in the first place, finding your trigger points is mm -hmm. also a great way to mitigate any future possible anxiety you know episodes mm -hmm. but is that is that sort of i don't know the dealing with trigger points is it over time understanding them and avoiding them or is it over time understanding them and when they do occur being able to deal with that because i feel like some people get mixed up with that because i feel like the first approach is not healthy i think it's not good to run away or avoid your issues um, you know, I, I think it's yeah. like identifying like what's going to make you spiral out of control, mm -hmm. knowing what's going to cause that and then knowing and sort of training yourself of how to deal with it when it does mm -hmm. happen, because it will happen again. Like, yeah, anxiety triggers will never really go away. Yeah, I, I agree so much with that, because I think. I think it is also sort of a misconception and like this is going to sound really 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 sort of almost pessimistic but I think I think it's a unrealistic expectation to have of life to say that I wish I lived in a state of constant comfort because that's just never going to happen. That's the same as um hoping to be constantly happy. Yeah. I, I, yeah. If I ever walk down the street and I see someone who is constantly happy I think he's as psychotic as someone who is constantly yeah. angry. Yeah, actually, I, I seriously agree with you on that. I think if someone were to come up to me and say, this whole year, I've been on a 10 and nothing has brought me down, I would, I would seriously take a few steps back and be like, either you abuse some kind of drug, which does fucking wonders for your mental health, or you're crazy. Because there's just no way. There, like, Again, this sounds super pessimistic, but there's no way that you're going through life regular life, real life. And there's not a single day where something brings you down. That doesn't happen. Well, it's either they're psychotic or they're completely ignorant. Yeah. Or, the, or, or they just don't pay attention. Like, yeah, you're right. And so <laughs> to, to sort of branch off on where I was going um, a while ago, for me, the way that I at some point learned to deal with anxiety was to simply accept the fact that life as it is, it's not going to be an overall pleasurable experience. And it, it's not to, to, to downplay it and to say like, oh, life is something to be 
seen in a negative light, but rather understanding that happiness and if if we were to say that the opposite of happiness would be unhappiness, right? Um, although I think that fundamentally that's not really how it works. It's more like happiness and discontent with a scenario um, mm. or a situation. I think that that behaves a lot more like like when you're at the beach, you notice how the waves come in and, and they go out again. Yeah. That's how I have learned to look at life and happiness. It will come in, it will be there. And then as sure as it has come in, it will go out again. But in those moments where it goes out and you're, you're at your low, what I think is important is to understand that just as certain as it was that happiness was going to go away, it's going to come back again. And yeah, exactly. for like, me, that's, that's what did it, accepting that. Yeah, it's also just accepting the fact that, you know, that age-old statement of nothing will last forever, including yourself. Yeah. You know, your happy moments aren't going to last forever, but then again, the really shit moments aren't either. Yeah. And the, wouldn't the shit you... Moments, sorry for... But the shit moments may last a bit longer in my yeah. experience, but there is still happy moments and you, you can learn to just... But here's the it. thing. Don't you think that especially when the shit moments are longer and the shit moments are really sort of grinding away at your discipline, at, at, at your ability to bear that burden. Don't you think that the longer that phase is, the sweeter the high phase is afterwards? Definitely. I mean, yeah. if, you're, if you're on, a, if you're on a, like, a happy streak all the time, I mean, a part of me feels like you just get used to it and then all yeah. of a sudden happiness becomes content and content becomes boredom. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Um, I think if you were to take a person and put them in an environment where they had nothing to worry about and they just like got whatever they wanted instantly, they would become bored within, I, I would say within the day. Within the day, they would become bored. Exactly. Like, even for me, right? Because, you know, we've known each other a long time you we, I think we both know that I am very lazy. And <laughs> Dude, I'm not different. I'm <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, it, it'd be great if I could just not have to worry about, you know, where money is coming from. Or yeah, but I think, that is, I think that's true for 99% of people. I think 99% yeah. of people wish that they wouldn't have to worry about how to pay rent, how to pay utilities, how to put food on the table until they actually have to do it. Because I'll be honest with you, I think I think part of what makes life meaningful is the struggle. And how does that relate to anxiety? Well, here's the thing. M my experience personally is that most of the time, the things that have made me anxious in my life are things that are either not really factors, so I shouldn't be worried about them, or factors that I cannot influence. And so, I can't worry about them because even if I do worry, it changes nothing about the situation. Yeah, it's all about just control, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, that's something I recently figured out about myself. And I think everyone can sort of attest to that about themselves as well, is the fact that, you know, on some level, we are control freaks. Yes. And I think it's because of the environment we're brought up in, in terms of like, okay, well, I got to do this and then this will happen. Yeah. And 
if well, I do that, then that will happen. And yep. then when things don't go our way, then we sort of have a episode mm. to just freak out because now we don't know what the hell is going to happen. I agree, except for I think it's not because of our modern environment. I think these feelings are something that are really deeply ingrained in what it means to be human. Because if you think about where humans actually come from, you are, we, our ancestors were constantly worried about how do I get to tomorrow? And you don't get to tomorrow by not paying attention to your environment and not wanting to control it. I mean, that, that's the whole reason things such as fire became important. Of course, it took us a while to, to discover that. But once we did, it became the single most important thing to controlling our environment. No fire, high stress situation. Yeah. And so I think, I think these feelings of anxiety, these are deeply rooted things in our, in our DNA and that, that makes us human. But I think, and I agree to a certain degree to what you said with the modern setting. I think the problem is that the modern environment that a lot of us live in doesn't allow us to experience things that are a real right? That's like, let's be honest, most people will go to work to their nine to five, sit at their lunch break with their coworkers. And instead of talking to each other, we'll sit there like this. Yeah. Right. And then at the same time, go home and complain about the fact that they feel lonely. Yeah, so I mean, a lot of that is just technology as well, isn't it? Yeah. But I, I think the problem is that <laughs> modern day life doesn't allow us to experience the things that previously evolutionary would have calmed us social interaction with other humans knowing i am not alone or simply sitting down and not having to worry about something with other people very calming very soothing yeah i mean it's difficult nowadays because there are so many sort of gray areas but then people nowadays um i found just like to make noise yeah there's they're looking for things to hate they're looking for things to be negative about it's the it's the complainer mentality very often mm. yeah and i think that also contributes to a lot of people's anxiety because we are now hyper aware of almost everything because we do have that access to yep. pretty much everything at a palm of our hands but via technology yeah but you know technology could be another discussion for another day but you know, having that amount of information and a lot of it being negative, mm. I think also contributes to people's anxiety nowadays. I know it contributes to mine. That's why I don't really watch the news. I don't really go on social media. And I only really go on social media if I'm going to the bathroom because it wastes time. Yeah. But I think, I don't know. I'm, I'm When it comes to this kind of stuff, I'm very much a hippie in the sense of I think everyone just needs to spend more time being more positive loving one another and you know the world will get better there's almost there's yeah. already so much negativity in this world I really just don't understand why people spend the time and energy to contribute to that mm, I agree I mean I I find myself falling into this pitfall all the time um people say it's a very characteristically German thing to do which is to complain constantly about everything um, but I also, I also realized for myself that like the days where I choose to not complain and it's often a very active choice that I make are the days that I actually just feel better because yeah, not everything works 
but not everything has to work. And so you don't have to complain about everything all the time. Yeah, in the same way that, you know, you can't control a lot of things in your life, but yeah. there's also going to be a, a very good amount of things that you can't control. And that's going to be okay because you're not supposed to be controlling everything. Yep. And making your peace with that should be, I think, everyone's goal, not long-term, but in the sense of just being, like, going, heading into that process of being okay. Mm. And dealing with the anxieties like is there any other ways that you cope with your anxiety because i think we've sort of been going through it and i know we a lot of people have been going through it for mm. a long time as i think i mean at least for me i've been going through it since i was like 12. yeah um, i think you're about the same yep so like, even until now like what are your ways of sort of coping other than what we've mentioned right now so like i said number one for me is the the very hard line acceptance and brutal honesty to myself that like life is sometimes and unfortunately more often than not going to be a somewhat uncomfortable experience for me as soon as i accepted that i realized it's normal to struggle and number two the, the second thing that i like to do especially when i do start feeling that these feelings inside of me are overwhelming and are taking control is I like to actually sort of take back my control forcibly, like with force. I like to say, um, I very good example last year, uh, the COVID pandemic and um, towards the end of last year and beginning of this year, um, a big outlet for me is physical, physical activity. Um, it's something I discovered very late. You can attest to this in high school. I wasn't the physically active person. I, the gym wasn't a place where you would find me, but as soon as mm -hmm. I, I, I discovered it as an adult, I realized that like going to the gym, isn't actually like helping my, my mental health, but it's, it's what happens afterwards in my head that helps me. So quick backstory last year, um, in November, the German government went into a, uh, will we'll put the country into lockdown and um so the gyms were closed and they lifted this lockdown in like end of may so it was like half a year for me of just no physical activity and i have never felt worse on a physical mental and emotional level than in these six months because i was i was reduced to three things i was reduced to either sitting in my apartment and gaming going to work and eating so right. That was the only thing that I was that was left to me. Like, like, sure, everyone's like, ah, but you could have just gone out and ran a mile and then come back. Yes. Like I said, I have problems with laziness and I do have problems with discipline. I'm someone I find it very difficult to go to get in front of my uh, my door and run a mile. But I find it significantly easier to get in the car and go to the gym. And so when I say physical activity, I don't just mean going in there and half-assing it. I mean going in there on the days where I don't feel like it, which is, by the way, nine out of 10 days. <laughs> like if I only worked out when I, when I felt like it, I would never work out. So for me, taking back control, even though my feelings are screaming and saying, I don't want to be here, just even if you're just going to go in there and go through the motions, right? I like to just go in there and do it anyway. And it doesn't have to be the gym. It can be something as simple as 
I know I should have done the laundry four days ago. I still don't want to do it right now, but I'm taking control. I'm it's doing it now. Of, yeah, it's it's a, I I guess that sense of like just it's your choice, it's your decision, yep. and you're going to do it. And I think the reason that helps me with anxiety is because what it what it inadvertently does to me is show my emotions that all I need to do to break this feeling of being useless and not getting anything done is get up and do something. That's it. That's the only thing that I have to do. And yes, it's really difficult. When I, when I started using this as a method for me to cope with negative feelings, it was very difficult to motivate myself. But now, honestly, <laughs> I think people don't realize how much discipline you can actually learn because the truth is like, yes, I am lazy and I have a discipline, a discipline problem. But the more that you force yourself to be disciplined, the easier it becomes. It's just getting into a rhythm of things, like yep. any kind of habit. And so specifically what physical activity for me does is it starts out being really uncomfortable. Like let's say, take, take my, my workout program. I start on the treadmill for a, for a 10 minute run. I hate it. I hate, I hate those 10 minutes. Afterwards, I'm, all, I'm warmed up. I'm starting to sweat. I do my uh, weightlifting and then that's an okay phase towards the end. I'll get back on the treadmill. That sucks again. But then as soon as I'm done, as soon as I'm sitting in my car on the way home, I think to myself, I feel great. And so, yes, it's a period of discomfort. It's 60 to, to 80 minutes of discomfort. But what comes afterwards is feeling of, even if it's the only thing I did on that day, I accomplished something. And it's also the added fact that you took control of that and yep. made the decision of, yeah, I'm going to do this. Yeah. It's going to be very uncomfortable. It's going to be yep. very painful at times, but I'm deciding to do this and nothing is going to stop me. Exactly. Um, I think, <laughs> I think for a lot of, like I said, at the beginning of my uh, statement here, I think there are fundamentally two types of factors that contribute to anxiety things that I shouldn't be worrying about because they're not really that important and things that I cannot change anyway. Hmm. Now, the things that I cannot change anyway, it doesn't matter if I worry about them or not. They're going to happen. But the things I shouldn't be worrying about, I can choose to not worry about them. It, it, it sounds really insensitive and really stupid, but it's, it's the truth. I can choose to just not worry about them. Yeah, no, I find that as well. And I think um, this sort of leads me into... Because I read about, I've been reading more about like Buddhist teachings and all mm. that and philosophies. Like, I'm not a religious person. I haven't been because I was raised Catholic mm -hmm. since until I was about six or eight. And then I've just stopped sort of doing any kind of religion. But I still like going, looking up different cultures and traditions and the teachings as well. And one thing I sort of got from Buddhism is. Uh, the art of sort of surrendering to life mm -hmm. and a lot of people would think that oh so you're just giving up and it's like no because by definition surrender means to stop fighting yeah and in a sense that sort of helped me realize just how much of a control freak I am in terms mm. of you know when I plan something I need it to go that way yeah or if I'm going to do something I need this to be the outcome if it doesn't end up that way, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. And 
I think being able to just dive into the water and just float rather than fight against the current. Yeah. How do you feel that would be in, in terms of just anxiety and maybe just mental health in general for people nowadays? Like, do you think people should read up on it or do you think maybe people... Definitely. I think... It may not be the best thing for them. No, no. I think the fact that in many countries in the West, we have a, a real epidemic in the sense that a very large percentage of the adult population are either in some sort of psych, uh, psychological treatment or they are on psychoactive um, medication. And the fact that more and more people are reporting these feelings of unhappiness, I think it's very important in, in, the, in the modern world that we read up on mental health at the individual level. I think everyone needs to develop an understanding of what mental health is and what, for, and what, for example, things such as depression or anxiety are, because it's important to identify what you're going through. Now, on the topic of surrendering to life, I think that is, I think that's pretty much what I mentioned is my first um, method to dealing with anxiety, accepting that this is the way things are. And instead of constantly trying to fight that and constantly trying to go against it, you can accept that life is going to be painful. It's going to be, things are going to happen that you don't want to happen, right? But yeah. the, you can't influence those things. What you can influence is what do you do once they happen, right? Exactly. That is the only thing that you can do. And so when you choose to meet adversity with positivity, I think that is fundamentally when you change the way that you think. Instead of, let's say, I went to university. I failed a couple tests in my, in my life. <laughs> Thank God I did. But yes, um, some people don't know how to deal with that failure. They, they will study for weeks on end for a test and still fail it. And they'll say, ah, the professor's an asshole. Maybe, right? Or, ah, you know, I just, I, I missed some topics that I could have studied on. And all of those topics that I didn't study were on the test. And so people just start to blame external factors saying like, ah, you know, it sucks. My, my, my professor's lectures weren't good or the study material that I had wasn't good. Well, the truth is that you failed the test because you didn't know, because you didn't know the answers, right? But how do you deal with it? Do you, do you sit there and you sulk about it and you reflect and you beat yourself up? No, you come back next semester and you try again. And this time you come back better prepared, hopefully. Um, you come back a little bit wiser. And if if you put in the work, and this is a thing, right? A lot of people look at failures in life and they try to blame it on something else. No, the truth is if you put in the work, most of the time you will reap the reward. And when you don't, it's okay. And I think you can attest to this very well. You know the feeling when you've put in the work and still fail. Oh, you, yeah. you know that it's that at that point, really, you've put in the work, it's okay. You don't feel bad about it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's another thing about um, people being comfortable with making mistakes. Yeah. Because we hear all our lives like, yeah, you know, you, you need to make mistakes. That's how you learn. But yeah, it's, just, it's, it's not the same as hearing it and actually putting yourself out of your comfort zone and actually yep. being okay with a good chance of you failing at something. 
because yeah. most times than not when you do put yourself out there it's because of something that you're very passionate about and it's something yep. that you really want to work out yeah and you're going to put your heart and soul into it and when you fail you're going to be very very discouraged you're going to be very distraught yeah and at times i know this happened to me it's deter it can deter people from actually maybe continuing it or maybe trying something mm. else and i think people should focus as well as along with what we've been talking about being able to just put themselves out there and being okay with a good chance that yeah. they're going to fail yeah um there's sort of a saying um i know that in the military they use this but it's also in like military like games you only miss every shot that you don't take mm. and i think that's that's that relates very well to this it's okay to make mistakes and the truth is that like imagine if for a a long period of time in like your 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 career pipeline nothing goes wrong right so someday you're 30 you're, you're 35 nothing has gone wrong in your life everything has gone to plan and all of a sudden as life is things just go to shit overnight you were not prepared for that situation because you've never fallen on your ass you've never had to just get up and just get up from failure and do it again and that's the thing i think i think a another aspect to this is just ownership when you fail at something, own the things that you contributed to, to that failure, whether it's not putting the work in, whether it's not showing up on time, whatever it is, whatever it is that you did to contribute to the failure, own it. But the other stuff, accept that you can't, you, you have to accept that you can't influence it. Yeah. And I think, um, I think that's the difference between what you were describing and, um, actually just not fighting no 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 sorry giving up the the difference in surrendering to life is not saying i you know i'm i'm just i just give up i'm not i'm not going to resist anything anymore that's the easy way out and the difficult way out is to say okay this is life i can't influence what happens to me i can influence how i react to it yeah it's all about how you recover isn't it yep same as like you know confronting or approaching someone you like most times than not you're probably going to get shot down and honestly but, is that so bad what's yeah, the no, worst let's say typical high school situation you like this girl you've spoken to her maybe a couple times she doesn't really know how you feel about her you want to go up to her and be like hey look i kind of you know i really like you um I'll, I'd, I'd like to, i'd like to take you out what's the worst that she can do say no yeah. And if she acts like a little, she act, she's rude about it, then that's just a good sign that you really should not be like yep. sort of hey. walking up that tree. Dude, if she's rude about it, you dodge the bullet. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. I think, I think if we take anything away from this entire discussion, it's that the root of a lot of anxiety is overthinking things and trying to control things that you cannot control. It's just the overall pressure and uncertainty of it. Yep. Because once you don't, you're in an unfamiliar environment. Now yeah. all of a sudden you don't know what's going to happen, or you have that invisible sense of pressure on yourself. 
Yeah. Because that's very prevalent, especially for us when we were in high school and any other sort of person who's in school or maybe who's just in work in general, having that invisible pressure for them to deliver or to have a certain GPA or perform yeah. a certain way at work. Having that pressure, it's not good for you, but people don't realize that they're doing that to themselves. Absolutely. Um, I recently broke out of the mold that my parents really had sort of put me into my whole life, not to put that down or anything, but just like, mm. I have always had this narrative from my parents, like go to a good school after, after you graduate from high school, go to a good university, finish your degree, get a high paying job, sail all the way to um, 65, retire, enjoy your life. Right. I totally yeah. broke away from all of that last year. Last year I decided, no, I'm going to drop out of university. I'm going to do something that I've always wanted to do. Right. And I'm going to accept that. Yes. People are going to think I'm crazy. People are going to think that like, this is a stupid decision. Don't do this. But that decision did wonders for my mental health because all of a sudden there were no more external factors. There was no living up to the pressure of having to please my parents. There was no more living up to the fact that I don't like going to university, but I need to get this degree, right? As soon as I made the decision to take control of my life, a lot of these pressures that I was feeling, which led to anxiety, they, they disappeared. And so I think that's, a, again, to relate back to the statement from, uh, to which I opened this um, discussion, this individual named three things that I think he could change overnight yeah. and they would solve a lot of his sad feelings. Number one, he's out of shape, he says. Again, I'm the last person who you will see just jogging out on the street, but in reality, it is as simple as that. Get into shape. Yeah. People, people overthink it. Get into shape. It's not difficult. Right? Number two, I'm financially dependent on my parents. He said, okay, get a job. It doesn't have to pay all of your bills, but pay some of your bills. Um, girls don't find me attractive. That's a little bit more of a difficult one, but I'll tell you, my experience has been that the way you carry yourself matters more than the way that you look. And so by doing mm -hmm. those first two things, he fixes the way that women look at him. Yeah, but I think it's also just in general that yeah it's it's there's simple solutions to it um but it is a lot easier said than done especially yeah. if it's coming from that person who's really just hit rock bottom yeah because now they're in this place where they think wow this is just the worst i don't know how else i'm yep. going to recover from this this just on sucks one hand, yeah in one hand you can make the argument like yeah the only way to go is up but, you know, both of us have been in that place, that sort of dark yep. place. And we can both say that, you know, when you're there, there is no other direction because no. you don't know what the hell to do. Yeah. You may know the solution to it. You may know how to start, but actually beginning to tell yourself from now on, I'm going to get better. And this is how. It's a very difficult thing to sort of confront yourself about and make peace. with. Yes. Because when you're in that mindset, you, well, the way that I sort of thought about it is that when you're in that mindset, it's like standing at the edge of a cliff 
and at the bottom of that cliff is just this endless sort of pit mm. but behind you are sort of your inner demons and so there's in that mindset you there's really no way out yeah you're between a rock and a hard place mm-hmm. i think and yeah yeah, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. i think if we can if i were to put this into a metaphorical analogy i would say some people they begin to dig a hole and they get to a certain point where they stop digging downward but they're also not trying to get back up anymore mm. they get to a point where they drop they let go of the shovel and so it's easy to say tomorrow i'm going to pick up the shovel it's easy to say that the difficult mm. part is actually picking up the shovel tomorrow right and it's like you said probably between that person and the shovel is a lot of dirt something's holding you back most of it is actually you are holding yourself back which is the truth yeah the truth and like when i was really suffering from 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 anxiety i didn't want to hear this but the truth is that i was i I, you are in control of your thoughts you are but Mm -hmm. you 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 forget how to control your thoughts when you're in that place yeah, same thing. Yeah. And so I think as as harsh as this sounds, and again, I'm I'm not trying to be condescending to anyone here who is listening and really has an issue where they're like, I really I can't go up, I can't go down, I'm between a rock and a hard place. I under I get it. I've been there. But the truth is that for me, in hindsight, I would say I would rather try something that might fail but might succeed than continue with what I'm doing now, because I know what the outcome is of what I'm doing right now. And I think people have to realize that, that that's what my fundamental advice would be to anyone who has anxiety. I would never recommend for them to do what I do because it might not work for them. But I would say you need to, you need to think about how you think you're going to solve this problem and then just go and do it. And again, that's, that sounds so easy to do, but it's really hard, but you've, but you've got to do it. And to go along with that, I think people, before even beginning that process, I think people just need to take a bit of time to just be by themselves and not to be alone and be lonely, yep. but to be by themselves in order to just reassess, not completely, but even maybe just start the process of figuring out who they really are and who they want to be. Because at yep. the end of the day, we all want to be the best versions of ourselves. I think, you know, no such thing is perfect, but yep. there is such thing as, you know, being the best version that you can be of yourself. Yeah. And that's something that you can, that's, this is one of the few things that you can strive for every day. Exactly. Yeah. It, you can, can, be, yeah. it doesn't even need to be big things. It could just be little no. things like, okay, to, today I'm going to start, you know, learning a recipe so that I can start cooking for myself. Or it can be something big, like, you know, all right, today I'm going to start maybe approaching an attractive person that I think yep. could be cool. doesn't matter if I get rejected. doesn't matter if it leads to something more. I'm putting myself out there and I'm talking to other people outside yep. of my circle. It can be even smaller things than that. It can be choosing today or tomorrow morning when you wake up, choosing before I do anything else. I will make my bed. 
Yeah. Small things like that. The, the beauty about trying to, or the beauty about the journey that is self-improvement is that your the biggest blessing it brings is that you have now the opportunity to choose to be better today than you were yesterday. Yeah. And, you know, I think, you know, yeah, it is hard for people to sort of get in that mindset of, yes, I'm going to get better. Yes, I'm going to start doing this. I, I'm not going, I'm choosing not to feel as shit as I am today. Yep. But at the end of the day, it's like what we said before, like we're going to have shit days and we're probably going to have more shit days than we are going to have happy days. Yep. It's I mean, just learning to sort of let go and yeah. just living the best that we can. I think we discussed this before in terms of the time that we have. It's because for us, our wealth isn't really much about, you know, what we have material wise or financially. It's about how we, how much time that we both have and what we choose to yeah. spend that time doing. Because yeah. for me, it's very important to me that I have, yeah, it's, it's important to have money because that's going to help yeah. solve a lot of your issues in terms of like where you're going to live, putting food on the table. Yep, absolutely. I mean, um, it's, it's stupid to say I can live without money because <laughs> uh, like unless you live in the countryside in a house that you've paid off and you're living off your land, okay, I suppose that's, that's maybe you can. Man. Yeah. But for most, for 99.99999% of us, we need some sort of money. But I'll tell you something, at least here in Germany, if you really wanted to, you could live off of minimum wage. This sounds, again, people are going to, like, I think there are going to be some people who hear that and they're going to come after me, but it's the truth. You can live off of minimum wage. You don't need to live in the middle of the city in the nicest apartment. You don't need to, you know, have a bunch of subscriptions to everything. I think, again, to come back to, to this episode's topic of, of anxiety, I think the problem is that also we create pressures by adding things to our life that we don't need. Yeah, definitely. And most of the time, things that we don't even use. Most people who live in a fancy apartment in downtown, they spend like 10% of their time there. Yeah. Because they're so busy working, trying to pay for that fucking apartment that they don't, that they don't live in. Yeah, and you know it, it. It leads this discussion to sort of consumerism and minimalism. Yeah, which and I am, I am, I am convinced that those two things, as guilty as I am of also partaking in them, are a big contributor to anxiety. Yeah, because now um, you're opening that door not only in terms of encompassing your life, but financially. Mm. Because now you open that door of, you know, being financially in debt and even going to university. Some people have student loans that they oh, are yeah. almost insurmountable to even pay off. It, the, the only thing I am really, truly proud of in my, for my time at university is the fact that I did not take on a single cent of student debt. Because mm-hmm. if I had have done that, I think I would have, I would be. I would be fucked. Yeah. And like, even though you can't take steps to sort of organize your finances and, you know, slowly but surely pay off that debt and 
you know eventually be free of it it's still not a nice thing to do because no. you're putting yourself in a in another hole in terms of something that you need to get yourself out of and that's especially that yeah can be easily avoided especially because man i'm i'm just i'm just putting out like this after this here tonight but again <laughs> anyone's listening honestly this is just because this is what i've learned having gone to university for three years nine out of ten university students they don't need to be at university in fact they will be better off learning some kind of profession or vocation um nine out of ten degrees that your your university is offering are bullshit right most of you are taking on student debt to get a degree that means nothing on the work market so it's actually to be honest it's no wonder that a lot of people who follow this path end up with depression and anxiety because i took on student loans i have a bachelor's degree i'm that's nice and congratulations but you i'm i'm still just working a job that's paying barely my bills you know and i'm not paying off my student debt how are you how are you supposed to ever gain some form of happiness in that environment you can't yeah but that's just because of what we were discussing before about people being conditioned to think that way of like i need to have a degree in order to have a high paying job and this will lead me to the life yep um and you know, through no, no fault of like the parents' fault, but especially in the East where we sort of had that experience, it's very prevalent where the parents can put that pressure on you without you knowing. Here's the thing. Um, you and I both have a Filipina mother. Mm. The truth is, at least I can only speak for my mom, but in the generation that my mom comes from in the Philippines, the only way out of poverty in reality was to get a college education. That's the truth. Oh, yeah, same. Yeah, that's absolutely the truth. It's not that way in today's world. I would even argue, even in a country like the Philippines, which still today holds those values, you're the only, there's not only one way out of poverty. I would argue that in the Philippines, if you really wanted to, you could do it. It's tough. It's it's a million times tougher than it is here in the West. Oh yeah, definitely. but it's not the only way out. Maybe we discussed this before. If we stayed in the Philippines, like um, we would we would find jobs, but we'd yeah. be getting paid like with flip flops and chickens. Yeah, we'd be pay- compared to getting paid like nothing. Having, yeah, compared to just having like a blue collar job here in the West. Yep, I mean, so. I'm starting my career path as an apprentice in the automobile uh, in industry, more in the sales uh, department. And again, here, here in the West, that's a vocational education. It's not going to college. In the Philippines, the same job that I will hold after my, my apprenticeship here requires a college degree. So yes, there is an imbalance. But again, what that shows you is that in the West, to hold most, most jobs, and I'm not talking just blue-collar jobs, and respect to everyone everyone who works a blue collar job who builds the roads who builds the rail the railways these are the some of the most important jobs and people don't respect them and i think that's hideous but i think especially here in the west some people who went through an apprenticeship program are better qualified than people who went to university for some Mm -hmm. jobs i think obviously there are certain jobs you have to go to uni i would never go to a doctor who didn't go to uni Mm -hmm. obviously Right? Having those certain 
sort of um, career paths where you you kind of need certification and yeah. training. Yeah, I I would never go to court with a lawyer who got his certification to be a lawyer by some other path than university. I wouldn't do it. Hmm. Maybe I'm just too old school for that, but I just wouldn't trust it. Right. Yeah. But for example, most, most kids who go out to, to study business, that's a useless degree, man. How would you say that? Most kids who go out to study business end up working an office job mm-hmm. and they end up being part of some company, which and within that company, they're just in like, let's say the marketing research team, or they are just working in the day-to-day business, answering emails, making sure that everything's okay, clients, et cetera, et cetera, right? right. You don't need a college education to, to do that job. So what, how do you feel about all these like companies, especially... You know, especially when I started looking for a full-time mm. job. Obviously, I've been looking for design and um, data researching jobs, but mm. and like anything, really, how do you feel about all these like big companies or even just small companies always asking for a degree, no matter what it is? Well, here's, well, here's the thing: a, a for for an employer, a degree is essentially a placeholder for like, let's say, in in your skill set, a portfolio. Mm-hmm. Same thing. The degree says the, the, the degree shows the employer this person is capable of doing these things. If you were to show up um, to that employer and say, "I don't have a degree, but this is my portfolio of my design capabilities. Look into it if you want," and they'll look into it, it will have the same value because the employer will say, "This person doesn't have doesn't maybe have a degree, but I can see that they have the capability." Right. So that's what a degree is. A, d- a degree is an easy way for an employer to say, okay, I know, I know that this guy can do it. Yeah. So it's sort of a, an insurance policy. Yeah. On the company's point of view. Yeah. But, so how would you tell someone who has, who's going through all this, would you say that if they have anxiety or they have whatever degree of anxiety they have, would you say that, that will having that anxiety and being in the environment that is mm. sort of modern, you know, going to school, get a career, that linear mm. lifestyle. Do you think that sort of pushes them into going through all of that? Yes. Just because, yeah. Yes, definitely. Yeah. I think, yeah. <laughs> I think there are so many kids out there who are suffering needlessly. Right. They're suffering from, from anxiety bec- for something that, honestly, they don't have to go through. Um, now, that being said, if you are given the opportunity to go to university, even if you don't complete your, your degree, I would say do it. That's very counterintuitive to what I just said, right? But the thing is, <laughs> you will learn certain things about your character at university. And I'm not saying that uni is the place to go to find yourself because I don't think that's a good place to do it, but you will learn things about your character, not who you are, but about what you can potentially be. Mm-hmm. What I, what I learned, for example, at university is I am very capable of absorbing a lot of information. I just need to find a structure to do it. I'm also very capable of meeting deadlines. I just need to find a structure to do it. 
Um, not, not everyone can sort of make up their own structure. They need to be guided in some form or way. Exactly. Um, and so what I learned, if, if, I, if I learned anything at university was that I'm someone who can independently get my life together. And so that's a valuable lesson for me. Um, and I also obviously had to learn interpersonal relationships. You have to work with people that you don't know. That's a very important skill. Again, going to university is overall a very enriching experience, but I think people place too much value on it. I think, and I think that's why so many people are disappointed when they do go. Yeah. I, I heard it all the time. People just disappointed about going in. And it's like, it's not what I expected. Why not? Mm, I'm just not really, you know, discovering who I am. Well, you're supposed to be here to work. Like that's kind of, and in, in this sense, work means study, right? You're not here to find yourself. Um, and I think that's, that's also why a lot of people just get hung up on, hung up on the whole university experience. And then they, they know for themselves that they're unfulfilled, but then they don't, they're not brave enough to drop out. And that's, imagine what that does to you. Imagine yeah. knowing every day where you go to university that you're not supposed to be there and you still go. Yeah, that's, that's a tough, and you know, it is a lot more common than we think, I think. I feel. Yeah. Because, you know, I think nowadays, especially our generation, we have a tendency to put ourselves in uncomfortable situations, but we don't know how to, I mean, we can get out of it. Mm. But because of, you know, whatever is going on in our heads or the surrounding environment, whether it's the surrounding people around you, mm. we choose to stay in it because we either just feel settled or even though we know it's not for us and that we need to change that particular thing, we're scared to because now going back to pressure and yeah. uncertainty we don't know what the hell is going to happen. Yeah. And that scares us. For sure. I think if, as I can attest to this because if I'm going to be honest, I wanted to drop out like in my second semester at university. I just never had the balls to do it because I was afraid of what my life would be if I did. Um, and so that's why I, I I completely agree with what you just said. Sometimes the unknown is so scary that you're willing to accept a shitty present to avoid that unknown. Yeah. But, and I think you were actually one of the first people who I witnessed do this and to, to the point that it actually like also went click in my head. Do you, do you also feel like you always had this gut feeling where you were like, I know what decision I should be making. And then have you made experiences where you had that gut feeling and you didn't make that decision and you fall completely on your ass with it. And then on the flip side, where you have that gut feeling, you make the decision and it works out. Yeah, I feel like I had, yeah, I had experience with both situations. So mm. the one where I, I know that I needed to do something, but I didn't, I think that would have been I mean, I wouldn't say that it was the it was like a, something that I should have gotten out of because I think whatever happens in life is supposed to happen in a weird way. Mm. 
but in for me in that situation it would be having a sort of sit down with my mom mm-hmm. and having a you know a serious talk about like look i am not okay mm-hmm. and uh, it's not a big contributor but it is a contributing factor that you are a part of it mm-hmm. and to just really sit her down and walk her through my mindset and how i feel like you know i'm depressed i am stressed the hell out i have mm. this pressure that i'm trying to deal with and the things at home are not good mm. and i knew that i needed to talk to her about it because if i didn't things were going to keep going the way they were yep. and i was going to stay unhappy which i did mm. so that is a situation where i knew i needed to do something but i didn't do it just because i was afraid to confront her and yeah the confrontation possibly change our relationship mm. even though now that i think about it it probably would have been for the best i can tell you from experience having gone through the same thing with my mom um especially this is even more relevant because our both of our mothers come from similar backgrounds um the confrontation was really really bad in that sense and that in the sense that like it got really heated but my relationship with my mother from that day on has been in uncomparably better than how it was before um i do have i do have to admit i still need to have a conversation with my mom mm. and that's something i'm trying to work on it's just having that resolve to call her up and just yeah talk through things which I will do sometime. I'm just not ready at the moment. Dude, take your time. It, it took me two and a half years from... No, it, it took me f- to be away from home for two and a half years to build the courage to go into that confrontation knowing this is going to suck, but it is going to be better afterwards. Do you also think it's because of the culture? That yes. From? Because... Yes. Um, I think especially with uh, Filipinos or just, you know, Eastern uh, region people in general. Well, I don't want to say that actually. Filipinos, um, Mm. especially with moms in general, they're not wrong. They don't think that they're wrong. No. Whatever they say that is law and that is what is correct. Well, first, yeah. If they say that you're not sick, then you're not sick. You're not sick. If they say you're doing a wrong thing, then you're doing the wrong thing thing. and if you challenge that they will get very confrontational and they will challenge you to the point where you either have a heated discuss heated argument yeah or you just get weared down and sort of just give up and accept yeah okay yeah you're right that's the goal find that to be the same that is the goal again i i relate to it a hundred percent and i i think especially filipino mothers they it's not it's not their fault this is how they were raised, right? No, no, no. I'm, yeah, no, yeah. Definitely not blaming anyone. It's just how yeah, they are. Yeah, but it's definitely the way that it is. Number one, they're always right, even when they're wrong. Yeah. And number two, if you don't work as their child, it's a poor reflection on them, even though it's not their fault. Yeah. And they take serious offense to you not functioning because it looks bad on them, which it shouldn't. Because again... Children are going to have their problems. And, and sometimes it has to do with the parents. Often it doesn't. 
right? Um, but those are the two problems. They cannot accept that, especially today, where one can inform themselves about so many different things that maybe you want to take a different path. They cannot accept that because I feel like before we're even born, there is, there is already a roadmap laid out for us, right? Um, in their eyes, at least. Oh, yeah, and um, to be the same with yeah. anyone who comes from like an Asian household in general. Yeah, there is, before you have even learned to speak and have your own thoughts, your life is predetermined. Um, which again, I, I love many aspects about, especially Filipino culture, but I think that is one of the biggest things that holds back many young people. Um, Certain expectations that are already predetermined for. Yeah, and that on the topic of, of anxiety, that is going to wear down an individual until nothing is left of their own resolve. Oh, yeah. Because imagine if you come in the Philippines, like let's say that both of your parents are Filipino and you come from a lawyer family. Imagine, lawyer. imagine trying to do anything else than become a lawyer. It's not happening. Because, and even if, even if you hate it, you hate anything that has to do with being a lawyer. You hate it. Yeah. So imagine what that does to your mental health. Yeah, because I think in a sense that now you're conditioning yourself to be okay with things that you're really not okay with exactly and that will sort of seep into everything else in your life whether it be like your romantic relationships or your friendships or just your daily habits yeah look there's no way to have the the things that you just described friendships a romantic relationship stability um a good relationship with oneself there is no there is no way to have those things if you are not fundamentally happy with the things that you are and that you are doing it doesn't work Exactly. And, you know, it's, again, it's not anyone's fault. No. It's just how thing, how, it's just how the cards were dealt to them. Yeah. And no one really taught them how to play the cards. And I had someone tell me this recently, um, but I think this is especially true for, let's say, Filipino parents. I think the fact that you dare to have your own opinion and actually pursue it, it doesn't just enrage them because it, it, it goes against what they think. It makes them jealous because I think every single Filipino parent has had these thoughts. They have said, I don't want to do this. And they so, the, yeah, but they had to. And so, again, I think everyone can attest to the fact that Filipinos have a very strong tendency to possess crab mentality, right? Mm-hmm. Crab, crabs in a bucket, everyone knows, knows this they will sabotage each other from coming out. Um, yeah. And again, it's, it's no fault of their own. It's just the way that they were hardwired. But that, I think that's the truth. Some of them become enraged because they're fucking jealous of, of the fact that you have the courage to stand up and say no. It could also just be... I mean, yeah, I'm not disagreeing with that, but it could also either be this what i'm going to talk about next or a combination of it but that sense of control like we were discussing yeah before. like yes they planned this out for their child but now because um in asian or eastern culture in general i think or actually even in some european cultures like in poland mm. um 
you you have a kid and you raise them they do their thing and I think a part of their goal as a parent is to have their children take care of them at the end of their life which by the way I'm a I'm a huge fan of I, I think there are certain traditional family structures that just work there's nothing yeah, wrong I'm, with that yeah yeah I'm, I'm not disagreeing with it but mm. at the same time I personally I don't think that that should sort of be it in a sense yeah I think, you know, obviously circumstances are different, but if you can take care of yourself, then you should. You yes. shouldn't be relying on your kids to do that for you. They can treat you. Yeah. They can pay it back in like yeah. certain actions or just spending time with you when they have the time. But I think to assign that role to your child of like, okay, when you get to this level, you're going to take care of me. I think that's yeah. bad. It's, it's sort of unfair. And I think what, what, a lot, what a lot of these parents forget to understand is that before your kid can properly take care of you, your kid needs to take care of himself or herself. And I always found that that's something that they don't actually fully understand. No, no, they don't get that. Um, no. And again, we're not talking shit about any of these parents. It's just like, this is the way that it is. No, right? it's, it's just yeah. the way that they're wired. Yeah. Um, they don't understand that there's no way in hell your kid is going to lovingly take care of you when you force him into a life that he hates. Exactly. He's going to take care of you with resent. And he's not, and he might be sad on the day that you die, but there's going to be a little fucking piece of him that's like, you know what? I'm glad you're gone. And that's sad. Yeah. That's nothing to laugh about. That's fucking really sad. Uh, no, it is a bad yeah. thing to say. Yeah. At the end of the day, you still feel that way. Yeah, and you will you will feel shame for it. Definitely, you're like yeah, I shouldn't be thinking this. Good. Yeah, but the feeling will be there. And so I'll be honest with you. When I have kids, I would prefer that on the day that I die, my kids only think of one thing, and it's that they miss me. No parent-child relationship is going to be perfect, but mm. the last thing I want is for my kids to sit there at my deathbed and be like, "I resent you for forcing me to do something." <laughs> That would wreck me like that. I just don't want that. But that having that mindset, it, you could also, in a sense, thank your that side of your family for tr sort of treating you yes. that way. Yeah. Because, you know, I've, I've always found that it's a combination of like people who have like the best families or the best parents will make good parents because they have something to go yep. off of. But the opposite end of the spectrum, people who never had that or had really bad ones yeah. would also make good uh, parents because they know what not to do. Yes, definitely. And I mean, I think I at least have to definitely defend my, my, my parents and say they gave me an absolute beautiful life. I've, I've enjoyed such a, such a privileged upbringing and an amazing education. It's all thanks to them. So oh, yeah, like, no, yeah, so there's there there's there can be no debate about that. But at the That's same the time, they're human. Yeah, exactly. They are human. And th this is this is what I recently discovered this when I while I was at my grandma's house like two years ago. And I was looking through a photo books and I saw pictures of my dad as a 19-year-old in his military service, as a when it was so compulsory in Germany. Oh, and so I was like, dude, actually, my dad is no fucking different than me. He went through the exact same bullshit. So, 
my dad was once a young man that that had to click in my head and that's yeah. when i realized my parents are just human yeah it's it's a weird thing because you know don't want to get too much into this but in terms of like putting people on pedestals yeah we put our parents there subconsciously and we don't know it and i, I always think that i that think is that very yeah dangerous i think because... the people who we hold to the highest standards are our parents yeah yeah no no matter what yeah and well i mean it could also be circumstantial because some people don't have the luxury of having yeah, parents in sure the first place, yeah or they have really shitty parents yeah but you know it's it's the same thing with dealing with anything else that goes really bad in life because at some this at some point this is why i don't really look up to anyone anymore it's yeah. not to say that you know my parents are bad people they did the best that they can and they've gifted me such a great life compared yeah. to like anyone else who's struggling mm. oh, i lost my train of thought now what was I saying? <laughs> <laughs> uh, happens to me all the fucking time what was i saying mate um your parents have given you a very oh, beautiful life yeah 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 so going back to like that sense of control because at one point because they're imperfect because there's no such thing as perfect they will come down that pedestal yeah because uh, at some point they will disappoint you as in the same way that you'll disappoint many other people in your life yeah or in the same way that you will disappoint them numerous times in your life uh, yeah exactly yeah. and have you found that to contribute to your anxiety because i found it to be the same for me in terms of like in both ways of me disappointing mm. them and in some sense realizing that you know they need to come they've they've fallen off that pedestal that i put them on yeah i actually have a really good recent example for this um so i just shared that i'm going to be going through an apprenticeship program now um which is sort of like a vocational education here in germany and um my parents were not happy about this um and what surprised me was that my father was also not happy about this because he's from here. He himself went through a, a vocational program. So I figured, and this is again, something that I'll be honest, it disappointed me like at a very deep fundamental level. Cause my father was someone who once told me like he re his biggest regret in life is that he always listened to what other people told him to do and never did what he wanted. Um, and so when I told them that I was dropping out of university, in fact, I, I'd already done it. Like, I didn't consult them on this. I just did it and told them that, like, yes, but I, I'm already accepted to this vocational education next year um, for this auto, automobile manufacturer. So I'm, I have something as a backup. They were not pleased. But what disappointed me the most was that my father didn't understand because I did exactly that which he regretted his whole life. I said, wow. no, I am now going to do what I know is the right decision. And that, and so when he didn't understand that and was really, really very much upset with me for doing this, I was very disappointed. Um, did that have anything, did that make your anxiety worse at all or? Yes, because it put doubt into my mind about yeah. the choice that I just made when, because I, 
I would have given everything to say that my dad would be the first one to, to support that decision. And when he wasn't, it put serious doubt into my mind. Um, and so that, that was a very tough time to go through because I was like, well, I don't understand where this is coming from. And I don't understand why this is such a big deal because I'm doing something that I know is right. And so why can't you know either of you see that? Yeah. yeah. You know, it's right for you. But now I think it's also the fact that they are your parents. Yeah. You know, no matter what, like if you have a decent relationship with them, you've had a good upbringing with them, whether you realize it or not, their support or their um, lack of support, it will affect you very oh, yeah. heavily. I think, I think the worst thing that a parent can do to a child as far as their, their mental well-being is, is to look at that child when the child knows that he or she is doing the right thing and disagree with them. Right. That is and the that will, worst thing that you can do to them. And that will definitely feed into someone's anxiety, if yeah. not maybe even start their anxiety. Yeah, if it doesn't cause it, it will worsen it exponentially. So because you've had that moment, how did you sort of react to it? Did it add very badly or, well, not very badly, but did you sort of spiral for a second or did yeah. you so, find a way to cope with it? So the first few days were just, I was a mess. Cause like, again, I just started to doubt and I was just ping ponging thoughts back and forth in my head. And then it just, it just sort of clicked one day and I was like, actually, you know what? I can't choose what my parents think about what I'm about to do with my life, but I can choose to do it anyway, because I know that it's the right choice. And as dumb as this sounds, this is this is this is a victory that no one can take from me because this is the one time that i decided to stand up and do what my gut feeling was and i did it without question i did it without consulting anyone i just got up and did it and was that like sort of the first time that you've sort of done something like yeah. that in your life yeah like because up until that point i was living my life based on the roadmap that my parents made for me. And so I decided, no, 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 no. I, I don't accept that this is what my life is. And so as soon as I realized that, I realized like, okay, what is the worst thing that my parents can do to me? Um, I mean, I've now held a job, a part-time job for three and a half years almost. Um, and so I've always sort of self-supported myself, but my parents have contributed here and there. And so I was like, okay, so even if my parents say, if you do this, we will never send you a single cent again. I said to myself, okay, then I have to live with that. And I can't survive with that. It'll be tough, but I can make ends meet. And if my parents say, if you do this, we will never speak another word to you again. I said to myself, okay, if they go to that extreme, then it is the saddest thing that will happen in my life next to them, obviously passing. Mm -hmm. But then that is, then I have to live with that. Because I realized that I'm no longer willing to compromise on what I know is right. And that sort of goes back to that theme of just surrendering to life, doesn't yeah. it? Ab absolutely. It was devastating for me to realize that this sort of narrative I had lived with my entire life wasn't who I was. Mm -hmm. That broke me at a very fundamental level. 
but it also at the very same time sort of allowed me to get rid of that to just get rid of that mentality of this is my life is, is pre-programmed and i realized because i've i now know that what i always thought was going to be my life is not my life i have the chance to do it exactly the way that i want to and i think um, if if one takes any way anything away from from my story it's that yes sometimes turning your life upside down is a traumatic it is a painful it is a difficult experience but it will give you the freedom to organize your life the way that you want it and how you know making that decision and going through the process of you know, executing like how did you deal with your anxiety then because that that in and of, it, of itself even though it is something that you decided mm. it still has some self pressure doesn't it and uh, there's a level of uncertainty now yes so the anxiety that i experienced coming from the uncertainty moving forward in my life i immediately got rid of that by saying that the the worst thing that can happen now is that i say i made a mistake i need to rectify this because i i already knew what the outcome was if i would have stayed on the path that i was on i i would have just continued to be unhappy and so now i made a a decision to move in a different direction and if that direction is wrong then i can make the decision again to move in a different direction yeah so th- that anxiety that i felt immediately disappeared because i now had the confidence in my ability to be to experience such conviction about a decision that all these external pressures become non-existent yes it was difficult to make the 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 decision but at the moment where i was making it i felt fine i felt oh, yeah. just i felt just fine signing those dropout papers and signing my contract on with bmw no problem yeah i i I kind of felt the same when I made the decision to not to just not go to university altogether mm. and just sort of teach myself the things that I wanted to do. So at first it was, you know, programming and then that delved into design and, you know, data researching. Oh, I was so scared because and I think that's a natural me, that's a natural reaction to have. I think it would be crazy to not be scared. Yeah, and because it wasn't just the fact that I was going against the norm, but everyone around me just was doing the same thing in terms of finding a university and mm. going to it. It seemed like they had that straight and narrow path, like everything was sort of laid down for them. The light was um, but- shown and they could just keep going. But then again, we spoke about this recently. A lot of our peers who seem to be on the easy path, where are they now in relation to the to, to where we are at? Because most of our peers and they're not going to be happy if to, to hear me say this if, if they ever hear this, but the truth is that 
most of these people never left high school mentally. Yeah, but that's different from where they, well, that's a sort of a different conversation in terms of where they are mentally and, you know, the progression into where they are now in terms of like career well, yeah. and what they're yeah. doing. But yeah, no, I definitely agree with you because I'm, I hardly use social media, but whenever I do, whenever I need to waste a bit of time, mm. I see some photos or videos and I think, wow, that's not what but, I expected. But I mean, even some people, like you're absolutely right. Like some people got after it and did it and yeah. they have their certification and I'm, and I'm happy for each and every one of them, but some people did it. Yeah, no. And there is a good amount of people that we went to school with who are on a great path and they're happy. A majority. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm so happy for everyone who's done that. Definitely. Don't questions asked. Yeah. But, you know, going back to uh, my story, it was, it was very, very scary because it felt like I was the only one sort of doing it and in doing so, uh, keeping in mind that I was kind of the only one doing it, it felt like it was the wrong thing to do. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't regret it. I still don't regret it. I think the decision to not go to university at all is one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life thus far. Mm. But at the time, the anxiety just heightened because obviously now I put some pressure on myself to go after what I did and what I want to do. And there's that heightened level of uncertainty because now I'm treading on like I'm treading thin ice in yeah. terms of what I know because you know we we've had these like alumni people talk to us like on Fridays yeah they're in like chapel time they that we fucking to call it talk about building up pressure but yeah and we'd have alumni come talk to us and what they usually would talk to us about was you know their process of finding a college and how they chose a career it was nothing about navigating life itself. It was nothing about yep. being in that real world and navigating your way through it. Mm. If, and I think we had a discussion before, if people were more open to talk about that rather than, you know, why they chose a certain university career path, I would have been much more happier or not happier, but certain and have less pressure in terms of deciding to not go to university and just go with the flow, learn the trade and yeah. work my way up. Well, I can relate to that. Um, on a very, very, very personal level, I come from a family of, of academics. Everyone in my family attained at the very least a bachelor's degree. So I'm the mm-hmm. first one to really get out of that world so i know what you're talking about um but it commands even more respect in your case especially to say that like all of my peers are doing a but i know that i need to do b for myself and then you still go ahead and you do b that commands in my opinion more respect than many people who chose to do a and came back empty-handed and so people will then say well like okay neither of you has a qualification either no that's true but the difference is that like i didn't make any or no i did you didn't make any 
any sort of um, plans to do so otherwise. You were very clear with your decision. You said, I will not go to university. I will teach myself. You knew that was the right decision to make and you made it. Yeah. And like I said, I think some of our peers, some, some of the people that we, we went to school with, I think many of them, especially those who now came back empty-handed, I think they knew from the start that that wasn't their path. It was just, they. I feel like it's sort of just a, a path that they were shown and they thought that's the only way forward. Yep. And it's not to demean them or anything. No, it's, that, it's really that's, not their yeah, fault. no, no, no. And, you know, we wish nothing but the best for them. And we hope, you know, at the very least that they are happy and they are healthy in that. Fundamentally, you know, yeah, that, that is what everyone. And I think that's sort of the biggest takeaway from this episode. It should just be that fundamentally everyone deserves to be in a good place. Yeah. Um, and fundamentally there's, there's nothing wrong with making mistakes, but you should, you should come to a certain understanding that at some point you need to move forward. Um, and I think that's true in regards to anxiety. I think that's true in regards to uh, what we choose to do with our lives. I think it's just very important that we, we continuously strive to do more and to do better. And again, I would, I would never talk down to someone who, who took a different path than me because I, it's their decision, right? Yeah. At the end of the day, even if they feel like I was forced into this, you made this, the, the decision to allow yourself to be forced. So like, you know, it's, it's very difficult to sort of talk about this without coming off as sort of like uh, condescending to, to, to like certain um, uh, feelings, but mm. it's just kind of the truth. I'm, Meanwhile, fundamentally, a, a very big fan of just action, of doing things. Um, you don't like something? Okay, how can we fix it? Go and do it. And that's done wonders for my mental health. And like we said, it's much easier said than done. But the point is, the more that you actually do, the easier it becomes. And like we said a while ago, just start smaller and that's true for your mental health. That's true for going to university. That's true for choosing to not go to university. That's true for taking a year off, joining the military, whatever it is. If you, if you have that, that feeling in your gut, and everyone knows that feeling, you owe it to yourself to go and do that. And I think the more that you, that you do those things, the more that you say, my gut feeling goes against what the entire world is saying and you still choose to do your gut feeling, the less you will suffer from some of these negative feelings because yes, maybe you will fail. In fact, most of the time you will fail, but at least you can own it. You can say, I made the, I made the, the decision. It didn't work out. I'm moving forward. And in a sense, you're, you're also giving yourself an opportunity to live a more meaningful life in a sense, because, I mean, 
there are people who live that quote-unquote linear life and they're completely happy which i i kind of envy as well i i absolutely envy the fact that people can be content with that yeah but at the same time i think um for the most part People who go out of their comfort zone, they make their mistakes. They will make more mistakes than they will have success. Mm. They, it gives them the opportunity to live a more meaningful life because they're doing something or doing multiple things, possibly, that they not only personally resonate with, but yep. at the end of the day, they, look, they can look back on it and think, oh, yeah, that, that was awesome. I'm, so, I'm very glad mm. I did that. And I find it very rare nowadays that people can actually do that. There's very, definitely. I mean, so few people are able to reflect on their life and say that they, they went off of the established path. Yeah. Um, there's a very good analogy that I like to use, um, especially as a motorcycle rider myself. The best roads are usually these mountain roads where you start at the bottom and then there's twists and curves and then you make your way to the top, right? So mm -hmm. what life is, is life is a mountain range. It's, it's a bunch of mountains and every mountain is some kind of goal or aspiration that you have, right? Now, what's more, what's more meaningful at the end of this road, right? You could, of course, build a straight, a straight road which starts millions or not millions, thousands, hundreds of thousands of miles away. And just gradually, the, the, the incline is always steady and you make it to every single peak, right? The climb is slow and steady. It's simple. You're on the paved road. Everything is great. Now, what is the alternative to that? The alternative to that is taking the standard mountain road. You start at the bottom, you ride in this direction, a hairpin comes. Seemingly, you're going backwards, right? You came this way, you turn, and you go the other way. But the point is, when you stay on that path, you'll get to the top eventually. Yeah. And it'll take longer. And along the way, you're going to dump the bike. You need to get back on. You need to dust off. You need to get back on the road. But I think when you reach the end of that road, let's say person A did the mountain road thing and person B did the just, just a steady incline climb. When you reach the end of that road and you look back on the view, I think the person who made those mistakes and went down a path and had to go in the other direction, but stayed on the course, they will have more appreciation for what, for the road than the person that just went straight in. Yeah. So it's more, um, gives them more sense of accomplishment. Yeah. Or fulfillment in that sense, I guess. Yeah. And that's, that's not to say that you can't have the twisty, turdy mountain road with the university experience. You can, because you can struggle and you can fail and you can choose to get back up and you can choose to be better there. It's, that analogy is, is irrespective of what path you choose. That analogy only explains that you shouldn't, you shouldn't strive to go on the easiest way. You shouldn't. You should rejoice at the fact that life will send you in one direction, turn you around and send you back. Yeah. Because that's what um, gives meaning. Yeah. And I think, you know, just long term in general, and I think 
we should probably end soon but yeah um going back to anxiety in general i think if people can find a way to learn to let go and just move forward mm. i'm not saying that it will get rid of the anxiety because i'm still doing the same thing i'm still doing different stuff and i still have these issues which is very prevalent in my life but it's definitely helped mm. like um before i used to wake up and think oh my god what am i going to do wrong what's going to go wrong yeah but now i can wake up and think okay whatever happens will happen and it's going to be a great day that's it i think that's the best way to sum it up whatever is going to happen is going to happen yeah and you know people shouldn't be discouraged by anything as long as they're doing taking the necessary steps mm. whether it be seeing someone a professional or involving people you're close to and just you know talking to them yep. or doing different things like you know yoga or meditation as long you've, as people you've are, just got to find what works yeah find whatever works because men, you know specialized help isn't accessible to everyone yeah and as sad as it, it, that is. it doesn't help some people i know some people who are worse off in professional help and yeah. a year in self-care did better yeah and i also know people who try to self-medicate it doesn't work and after a year of therapy they're they're golden so it's just finding a system that works yeah like, you know, going back to yeah. like how we, you need to identify, you know, you, well, you don't need to, but I'd say it's best to figure out what triggers your anxiety or mm. maybe finding the root cause of it and learning how to not get rid of it, but deal with it. Yeah. And on that note, I think, yeah, I think this was a good discussion. I think we'll end it here. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. All right. Bye, everybody.